Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Tonaguzzi with Edmonton's podcast, brought to you by Canada's Podcast Network. Joining me today is Tanya Zurak, who is founder of Wild Prairie Soap Company. Thanks uh, for joining us today, Tanya. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about the company. Tell me, first of all, a little bit about uh, what you guys do. Sure. So we, Wild Prairie is a manufacturer of high quality, natural plant-based soap and body care products uh, that we manufacture all by hand in our factory here in Edmonton. And when did you start? Well, it's been a, it's been a while. Um, I started the company sort of by accident. Um, I was a teacher at the time and I was starting to have a family and my oldest daughter, who was very young at the time, she had quite um, dry and sensitive skin. So this was 25 years ago that I first sort of delved into this idea of, of natural soap. So yeah, our company is about 23 years old now and, and going strong. And it all came out of sort of a, a need for a solution for my child. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I know, uh, <laughs> because my, some of my children are like that as well. Uh, is it uh, partially because of the, the climate here and the dry climate in Alberta that, that led to the dry skin for your daughter? Yeah, I think definitely the dryness we experience, especially during the winter, it, it definitely exasperates people who have skin issues like eczema or dermatitis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I found out really early on and realized is that a lot of people are dry simply because of the products they're using on their skin. So if you're using anything that's detergent based, which, you know, mm -hmm most commercially manufactured um, body washes would be made with a detergent. Um, what that does is it continually strips away the natural oils that your skin is producing to keep it not from not being dry. So, you know, we, we cause a lot of our own problems. Um, and then our dryness in the winter just seems to make that even worse. Yeah. So what, what goes into these uh, soaps? So, Again, they're all plant-based. Um, we use 50% olive oil to make them, and our olive oil is all imported from um, Spain or Italy, the two largest producers. Um, we use coconut oil and sustainable palm oil. Um, palm oil gets a bad rap often, but our palm oil comes from certified um, producers. Uh, so yeah, it's all plant-based. It's called cold process soap making, which, um, just means we don't add any heat when we're making the soap. Um, and we use sodium hydroxide. And when you combine those two, when you combine the fats and you combine the sodium hydroxide, it creates what we call soap. Okay. And where is this, uh, the soaps, uh, sold? So right from the beginning, when we first started, um, selling it, we, we sell into retail. So anything from gift and garden centers to boutiques, salons, uh, spas, um, grocery, uh, specialty grocery, um, tourism. So all across Canada. And we also have a distributor that we signed with in 2019 and we have distribution throughout Japan. And we just signed, um, a newer agreement with a distributor in Korea. And that is a brand new launch for us that's happened this spring. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you see it growing in terms of uh, the distribution of it? 
yeah, I mean, the export has really caused a great deal of growth for our company, which is really fantastic. It's, you know, allowed us to sort of expand our our knowledge and and interest in like what other cultures and countries like to use on their skin, Um, which of course, you know, we're all human beings. So um, our skin is all the same. Um, So it translates really well to go into a new market. And, um, you know, in Canada, we have just such a great loyal uh, base of customers that has really helped us build, you know, the, the solid sort of usual regular part of our of our revenue and our our company so yeah the last few years have been a definite scale up in production and sales so tell me just a little bit about uh, uh, the customers themselves uh, have you been able to kind of uh, understand more who your customer is tip who your typical customer is yeah, I would say if I had to describe our typical customer, it is a, a woman. Um, you know, she definitely has an interest in choosing products that she feels she can trust. Um, she definitely wants to share those with her family, um, especially if she has children. She um, usually would read a label, so is a much more in tune and much more educated about what product ingredients that she allows herself to use or wants to use. And then we also have a great uh, supportive male fan base who, you know, it's really interesting. Men, we find men will be so uh, expressive about their, their love for our products. Like they will be like, I could never go back to anything else. So it is a mix, um, but definitely it's female driven. Okay, super. And can you describe for me, I, I guess, how do these, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, the recipes uh, come come into play and uh, in the creation of the soaps and the different kinds of soaps? Yeah, basically, um, the recipe, the the sort of base recipe for most of our bars is the one that I created and formulated, you know, back in 1999. Um, but the way you alter each bar of soap is the different additives. So the different essential oils you might use for different skin conditions. Um, if you wanted it to be exfoliating, you might add something like um a clay or um, oatmeal. So you you basically have a base recipe. And then from there, you can add a lot of different ingredients and formulate it to suit different needs and different skin types. Okay. So I'm just curious, on a a yearly basis, how many uh, soaps would you make, roughly? Uh, Wow. I think in 2021, we probably made 125,000 bars of soap as a guest. Um, and we expect with this new expansion into Korea to uh, very likely double that in a very short time. So okay. can you can you describe a little bit for me the uh, uh, the manufacturing place of where this stuff is made? Sure. So our facility is 4,400 square feet. Um, we have a dedicated soap making area where we have um, it's basically a, a very large um, stainless steel that we melt our oils and put them in there put these sodium hydroxide solution in and it's mixed in that and then we pour them into our mold system and one of the greatest things about our soap uh, one of the defining factors is we are 
I think I've only ever seen our soap be the shape, but an oval bar. And oval is a very ergonomic um, shape for the hand. So it's very easy to wash with. It's very easy to use on your body. You're not wearing off edges and corners. So um, it goes into our oval molds and it goes in as a liquid at the point we call trace. So trace is when soap starts to, the molecules of the sodium hydroxide and the fat start to combine. And that, that chemical reaction, once it starts, it, um, we call that trace. And at that point we pour it into our molds and the chemical reaction continues. We, we insulate the molds and um, the chemical reaction also creates heat. So when our soap is sitting in our molds and it's insulated, you can just feel the heat that it, it's generating. But then as it cools, it hardens. And so once it's hard, we extract each, they basically come out in logs. We extract each log and then they're cut. Um, the cutting leaves a bit of a rough edge. So we hand clean all of that edging off and then we rack them and we um, cure them for two weeks. And that just helps the additional water to evaporate to make the bar harder, which in turn makes it last longer. So once they've cured for two weeks, then we sell them. So I'm curious from start to finish, how long does it take to make a bar of soap? Start to finish is about two and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, okay then. And, and uh, some of that's just wait time with different, um, you know, you have to get your temperatures exact. You have to match temperature to temperature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some of that's wait time, but um, you know, with the extraction and the cutting, it's, it's about two and a half hours and we would make a batch size of, of about 600, well, it's a 600 pound bar, 600 bar badge. And then we make up to four of those a day. So up to 2,400 bars in a day. So when you started this uh, years ago, the, in your wildest dreams, did you ever think you'd be where you are today? No, not at all. I mean, it's, um, I'm certainly grateful and happy that it turned out this way. I I never expected to be an entrepreneur, even though I came from two entrepreneurs or self-employed people. Um, but I love it. It's, it was my passion from very early on. And I, you know, not having gone to business school or having had, you know, that formal education, it's, it's been, it's been really fulfilling to be able to learn and grow. And, you know, I'm still learning and growing. Um, the export has certainly, you know, made me feel like a beginner again. You know, I, I feel like I, completely understand how to manufacture and promote and sell in Canada. But that export piece was, was a brand new learning curve, which is just awesome. You know, you always want to be learning and growing and changing. So. So I'm, I'm assuming uh, that your parents uh, were both entrepreneurs and what, what did they do? Oh my God. <laughs> well, my dad, my dad was a self-employed um, uh, truck driver. Uh, he worked in the oil and gas industry and my mom was seriously, uh, just a serial entrepreneur. She started, you know, on our farm, um, she started an egg business. So, um, chickens and eggs. So yeah. as a kid, you know, I was out there cleaning pens, collecting eggs, doing chores, um, you know, and it was in Alberta's, you know, pretty far North. So middle of the winter, if my, if my dad wasn't home, my sister and I would have to go out, you know, at six 30 in the morning and do the chores. And it would be like pitch dark and yeah. minus 30 or 40. And 
But, you know, my sister and I both laugh a lot about the resiliency and sort of the competency it gave us at a, as a young age. Um, but then she gave that up and moved into things like um, she opened a clothing store. She opened a travel agency. Um, so, yeah, she did a lot of things. What do you think you learned uh, by growing up in the farm that that, I guess, uh, has helped you in your journey as a business uh, person? Well, the first thing I would say is definitely resiliency because farm life is often, um, you know, has its ups and downs and you, you learn to provide for yourself in many ways. Um, it gives you a connection to the earth that I think you don't necessarily have. If you grow up in an urban environment, you know, you, you see things being grown, you, you know, you care for the animals, you see the process, you, yeah, you just really get connected. I think when you, when you grow up on a farm and and have that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. What's been, um, as an entrepreneur, what has been the uh, thing that you like the most of, about being an entrepreneur? Oh, there's quite a few, but I would say the, probably the biggest thing I like about it is making, making my own decisions and having that freedom to, I mean, guided freedom. It's not like you're just free to do anything you want, you know, it has to make sense and it has to, you know, be as smart of a decision as you can make, but, you know, you have that ability to, to change when you want to change, to create when you want to create, to step back when you want to step back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I would say the freedom and the, the creativity that you can, you can bring to your work oh, for okay. sure. Uh, well, on the flip side, what, what don't you like about being an entrepreneur? Uh, well, you know, um, I don't like, I don't like a lot of the sort of admin work that, you know, still some of it, a lot, well, a lot of it still falls to me. So I'm not a huge fan of that kind of thing. Um, Sometimes the pressure of um, having a team and a staff and and managing people all the time can be, you know, an added stress that isn't always easy. I mean, we have a wonderful team right now. We probably have the best team we've ever had. In fact, we definitely have the best team we've ever had. But certainly over the last 20 some years, you know, there's been times when, you know, there's, there's issues you have to deal with with people that you just don't want to, but you have to. so that, that's, that can be hard, you know, and then the, the instability sometimes of being an entrepreneur can be, can be tough. You know, other people get a regular paycheck. It's guaranteed unless, unless they get laid off or fired. But as an entrepreneur, you know, everybody's sort of depending on your guidance, your direction. And I love that, but the, the, the pressure from that can sometimes be something you have to learn to manage and, and deal with in a smart way. What, what advice would you give people if they came to you asking for advice about uh, becoming an entrepreneur? I think it has to really be something you're passionate about. It's not even that, like, like I am very passionate about soap. Nobody loves soap more than I do. So that doesn't hurt. And I think you can be a serial entrepreneur and not love necessarily the product itself, but the process, you have to love that. You have to love either the, the creativity of it or the sales of it. Um, yeah. 
you probably should also love the product for sure. I think you can't sell things well unless you, unless you love them. Um, and I think early on, it, it's important to get the kind of guidance and mentorship that, that you might need. You know, I feel like there are mistakes I made early on that had I found the right people to help me, I wouldn't have made those mistakes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mentorship is definitely something that's very important and, and expertise. Mm. Those are two really, really critical things. I think if you're, if you're going to start, start out and do something. So on your entrepreneurial journey, I just curious, uh, were there any, I don't know, examples of, uh, other businesses that you looked at uh, for guidance or any books that were helpful along the way? Yeah. Oh, I read a really great book. I'm going to totally forget the, the name of it right now. Um, it, I read it at a really critical point where I was, I was really a really small company and I knew I didn't want to be the maker of my product forever. You know, that's not really a sustainable growth model. So I read this book and it was about that, you know, being the maker or being the entrepreneur. And you often start as the maker of the, of the widget. Um, but to grow your business, you have to become the true entrepreneur and that becoming the true entrepreneur is going to get you the things that you're probably looking for in your life as an entrepreneur, which is the ability to make the decisions and the ability to have some freedom. And, um, you know, you can still maintain that creativity, but yet grow your business and not be the maker. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I do recall a conversation I had years ago with a friend of mine who's an artist. And uh, he told me uh, basically that, you know, he had two jobs, right? And uh, the uh, first job was being an artist and doing that, that, that craft. But then the second job was the business side of things, right? right. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people don't understand that and just kind of reminded me uh, when you said, you know, the people making the widgets, uh, uh, there's, there's really two aspects of being an entrepreneur, right? For sure. Yeah. And it's whether you're going to focus on working in the business or working yeah. on the business. So when I made that switch to working on the business, I think, you know, a lot changed for me a lot. So something just popped in my head here. Uh, so do you only make bar soap? Uh, you don't make liquid? We do actually make a liquid hand and body wash. Um, okay. And we do it right again, right from scratch. And it's, it's, it's naturally based, so there's no detergents and no um, drying elements to it. So, yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay, super. So, you know, obviously being an entrepreneur, I think the, the common thread throughout uh, 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 entrepreneurship is that it's 24-7 job in, in many ways. Uh, do you feel that you have some work-life balance in your life? I try to. I mean... And there's certain times of the year where that's a little bit easier. Um, you know, certainly fall and winter um, leading up to the holidays is not the time where you're, you're going to have, you know, definitely never going to Mexico in November. So, um, but yeah, I try, I try to scratch out times when, you know, I'll see a, a, a window um, where I can take some time off or if I'm feeling really burnt out, um, because I think as an entrepreneur, it's really easy to work 24 seven. Yeah. Um, you know, I often will do some work at night and it, I, I rarely have ever felt resentful about that because it's, it's something I want to do. 
Um, but you can get into a cycle where you're doing that a bit too much. And so it is, yeah. it, it is pretty important to, to take that time and, and it helps when you have a team you can trust and depend on to support you in that. And, um, and also recognizing that in your team, you know, you know, you need to take some time off, I think, because yeah. you've been, you know, working so hard for us. And, um, so I kind of encourage that both with my team and I try to do that with myself as well. Okay, super. So what do you, uh, what would you say some of your interests or passions are beyond uh, uh, the work and the business? Uh, I love plants and gardening. So I get very excited when spring comes because um, I can get out in my yard and, and dig in the dirt and plant my flowers and, and some vegetables. Um, so yeah, big interest there. I love to travel and, you know, that's worked really well in terms of, a, you know, goes hand in hand a bit with our export work. I've, I've added some travel to um, Asia in order to meet distributors and go to the locations where our products are sold. So, but other than that, I like to travel just for pleasure as well. So I I love a good beach. Um, I love great architecture. I love, you know, seeing old things, old cities. Europe is amazing. So yeah, I love to travel. I love to spend time with my kids um, who are grown up now, but you know, they're, they're always hanging around. Um, Yeah. So I, I would say those are probably my, my top interests. All right. Super. Well, thanks very much, uh, Tanya, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. Super. That was Tanya Zurok, who is founder of Wild Prairie Soap Company in Edmonton. I'm Mario Tanaguzzi with Edmonton's podcast on Canada's podcast network. Thanks for joining us today.